Thank you, sir. Give God a shout right now if you would. Come on. Open up your mouth and shout. Amen. Y'all are sitting so far back, I think I'm in a Baptist church instead of a Pentecostal. <laughs> One thing you got to do if you're going to serve the Lord, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Amen. Amen. But a power, love, and silence. Today, I'm going to deal with the nation. This morning, I'm going to show you uh, uh, some prophetic words from the book of Habakkuk that will absolutely change your life. It's also going to shock you what I'm going to show you today because there are two things we're battling in America, uh, and, and the battle is on. Uh, one of them, and, and this is spiritual warfare. Everybody say warfare. Warfare. If you don't think we're in a fight for this nation, you're asleep. Spiritual warfare. And one of the things, one of the biggest crimes in the world today is called lost identity, right? Somebody steals your identity, your bank account, your house title. Well, somebody's trying to steal the identity of America and turn it into something it was never intended to be. And they fooled you into thinking that it's a Democrat-Republican thing. No, they, they've been on the same side till the last four years. George Bush and John Kerry were both Skull and Bones members. I'll say something about that tonight. At Yale, a secret society, been here since 1832, been active in America since 1932. Uh, 900 members since 1932. 711 of them have served in high positions in the government. They've run the country, whether they've been Democrats or Republicans. The other thing we're fearing is not only loss of identity, and fear of uncertainty. That's what's going on I'm going to talk about this morning. Tonight, this afternoon at 6, I'm going to talk about uh, uh, what I believe to be the, the, the number one thing, deception. I'm going to expose five or six of the biggest lies that have been sold to America from the political realm you've ever heard and, and counter them with truth and the Bible. So we're going to be doing that I'm glad, this is my wife, Paulette. If you haven't been here and didn't hear her preach last night, go online. It'll be there for you. These are the books we have. The Unraveling of America. I'll be using this tonight. I'll be reading it to you. You can get a copy back there. It's 15. Normally it's 10. All these books are 10 just for this church. My brand latest book, The Sermon on the Mount. The greatest sermon ever preached by Jesus. It didn't last an hour and a half and neither will mine. Okay? If he could preach the greatest sermon ever preached in 30 minutes, we ought to be able to get something said. Don't you think so? Somebody say amen. Uh, the sermon, Keys to Living an Uncommon Life. Us baptized in the Holy Ghost, folks, we're good at speaking in tongues and bad at loving our enemies. Don't shout me down. He tells us about how marriage and divorce in here. He tells us to build our house on a rock and not on a sand. 23 principles that will let you live a spirit-filled life that will make a difference in your pocketbook and in your home and in the community you live in. If you buy this, don't, if you don't love to talk about angels, don't, just buy the book for the demon part. Most of you don't know the devil's knocking the fire out of you every day and you don't even know how to do battle. The victory's already been won. All you've got to do is enforce it. And I'm going to arm you up, equip you. I'm going to show you where you know for certain when the enemy is attacking you. This thing's $17 at Charisma. It's $10 out on the table. Esther. Why did we bring this with us? Because Esther saved her nation. I go in under the king, and if I perish, I pay. If it kills me, I'm going to do something to save the nation of the Jews. And then my wife, one of her favorite sermons that she didn't preach here, she preached her forgiveness sermon here, Bathsheba, mother of kings. She was kind of a bad girl, but remember the king ordered her to do it, so there's a lot there. A lot that you don't know about Bathsheba and a lot that happened later in terms of revenge and things like that that shaped the nation of Israel. These are the CDs we have. Because we're in spiritual warfare, and that's why I'm talking about all day today, these are my four sets of CDs. They're normally $25 at home. Uh, they're 20 here individually, but if you buy all four of these, it's 50 bucks. You can't put them together for that. Turning back the enemy, conquering hidden spirits. I deal with Leviathan. You'll recognize him once you read that chapter. I deal with Python, 
the spirit of Pythias, which is in the book of Acts. Breaking old habits and ancient curses. Well, this runs in our family. That's a lie. It's a demonic stronghold. It's a familiar spirit. It can be broken. You don't have to live under the curse of what happened in your family. And then the five lessons on Islam. Islam has taken over just about a third of the state of Michigan. It's moved on Wisconsin. Uh, I don't know if you are, but I'm tired of the people that bombed the Twin Towers running the nation. So this is to help you. 23 CDs, $50. Finally, we only have two of these left. 22 lessons through the book of Revelation. From Revelation 1.1 to 22.21. You'll understand these. And and then I have a CD-ROM in here. A CD-ROM that has my notes. We don't normally do that. But uh, three sets hooked together for you. And I think this is going for... Something. It's under, it's a hundred dollars at home. Don't tell the people it's fifty or sixty or something here. But I brought this material because I've written thirty-eight books. Uh, I've taught through the entire Bible and my ministry has always been based on the Word of God. And I, I really feel like that, uh, somehow we have misunderstood how to, how to walk in freedom and how to walk in victory. Uh, because the, the truth is, God says my people are destroyed, not for lack of prayer, not for lack of operating in the gifts, not for singing, not for none of that. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We've got to be the dumbest generation I've looked at that I've ever seen in my life over the last 20 years to let happen what we've let happen to our nation. I include myself in that. If you don't know something, you're going to be deceived. All your life. I was talking to a moron the other day, and uh, I'm not preaching yet, so I'm going to say a few things. And uh, he was talking about the fact they're going to put that that uh, if a certain person's elected, they're going to put 50,000 plugs to plug in those electrical cars, and they're going to save us from the curse of the carbon footprint. I said, well, uh, guess where the electricity comes from, son? He was a college student. To plug in your car. From a coal-burning, oil-burning, <laughs> electrical generator. You dummy, you. Do you think you're just going to plug your car in and the energy's not going to come from somewhere? Put you up a wind tower. The energy it takes to build a wind tower, to erect it, and for the life that it lives, it will not produce enough energy over its lifetime to make up for the energy that it took to make the thing. You can look this stuff up yourself. So we are living in a day when when we're having everything in the world stolen from us. And if any state ought to know that, it ought to be West Virginia. Even though y'all still elect some people I don't like. But that's okay. I came up here anyway, and so I love being here. I want you to stand in reverence for the Word of God. That's just a little sample for tonight. I hope I've really ticked you off and made you mad getting started so you'll watch and listen to what I've got to say because it's going to be fun. We're going to have some fun today and tonight. The message is Embracing the Vision. Habakkuk says in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, I'll stand my watch and set myself on a rampart and watch to see what he, that's the Lord, will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets. In other words, make it big. That he may run who reads it. It Really in Hebrew it means that while you're running, you could read it. It'd be that big. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak. I believe this is that end time we're living in. This is for an appointed time. And at the end it will speak. And it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. 
Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. St. Paul would quote that three times, and it would be the, the heart of the reformation of Christianity. It's the truth of salvation. If you're going to be justified, it happens by your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. One more verse, and then we're going to look at several along the way. Habakkuk 3. It's only three chapters in this book. Verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon Shigianoth. Shigianoth was the mountain where they arranged music and where people got filled with the Spirit and they got music from the Lord. He'd gone up there. Prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon Shigianoth. O Lord, I've heard thy speech and was afraid. Fear. O Lord, revive thy work. Thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known. In wrath remember mercy. Father, in the name of Jesus, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Holy Spirit, who's already here, who's already spoken, who's given us this assignment, Stir us, waken us up today like those dry bones we sung about, Lord. Well, let us sing, let us live in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Habakkuk means embrace. That's what the name means. And God's looking for some people that will get a hold of him and not let go. To embrace him uh, for all that is worth. But Habakkuk was kind of like me. He was a he was a prophet who told the truth. And so if you read the first chapter of Habakkuk, he walks in and to the Lord's presence and he said, I'm not happy with these people, Lord, you've given me to pastor. He said, they're not right. I felt kind of felt like Friday night if you were here, uh, Brother Nick kind of slapped us all around pretty good, didn't he, about the church. We probably all needed it and needed a little more, didn't we? So this is the way Habakkuk was. He, he says, God, look at these people. They're getting away with everything. Have you ever looked at America and thought, how on earth can this be going on in our nation? That's the way he felt. And he said, Lord, why don't you smite them? Why don't you do something to these people? And the Lord said, don't worry about it. I've got it covered. I'm going to bring the Chaldeans. Everybody say Iran, Iraq. That's Chaldea. Isn't it interesting? It's the same part of the world, Iran, that we're dealing with today. He said, don't worry, I'm going to raise them up and they're going to come over here and they're going to beat the fire out of y'all. Well, Habakkuk didn't like that. He said, no, Lord, they're worse than we are. What you need to understand, a nation may be worse than us, but they may not have what God has given to us. And to whom much is given, much is required. And so God said to him, I tell you what, I'll take care of your problem. I'm going to bring a foreign power. I'm going to bring a globalist agenda to come and smite your nation. And Habakkuk said, Lord, I've changed my mind. <laughs> I don't do that, but I, I, what I'm going to do, I'm going to stand my watch. And I want you to tell me something else. And the Lord said, all right, I'm going to give you a vision. I'm going to show you, and he does in Habakkuk 3. He said, I'm going to give you a vision. And I want you to write it. Because when people hear this vision, I want them to move. I want them to have a revival. I want there to be an awakening when they see what I'm going to do in this nation. And so, you go all the way through the book of Habakkuk, he gets the idea that, hey, I've got to live by faith, not fear. I've got to live by what God says and what he does and not what I want. I can't trust in the world or politicians. I've got to put my faith where it matters. And so, he says, write the vision and make it plain. Now, I want to tell you this. I have heard hundreds of sermons and preached several 
on vision. How many of you ever heard a message where there's no vision, the people perish? You've heard a message on vision. Put your hand up. I'm not here by myself. I'm like a black preacher. you got to help. If you don't help, this is going to take longer, okay? Anyway, put your hand up. Amen. Write the vision. Heard many messages on vision. Heard many messages on the just shall live by faith. Had never heard one, Pastor, in my life on what the vision was. And so the entire month of March, at the beginning of COVID, every time I got in my study to do devotions, God would say, read Habakkuk. I'd say, I don't want to read Habakkuk. Every time I heard Habakkuk, I thought about Star Wars. I thought about Chewbacca or something, you know. I want to, I don't want to read them sticky pages in the Old Testament, but I, I, I want to read over here in Romans. Get me back in Revelation. And every time the Lord gripped me with the book of Habakkuk. And then uh, an evangelist friend of mine called me and said, I, I just can't get out of Habakkuk. At that point I gave up. And I said, okay, I'm going to read it in the, in the Hebrew and I'm going to read it in some translations. I'm going to see what this vision says. And so I turn over to chapter 3. And he, get, he begins to pray, Oh Lord, I have heard your speech. And that includes the vision and was afraid. When I really saw what was coming, he said, I, I, when I saw what could happen to our nation, what could happen to our people, it struck fear. That's a back at 3-1, first phrase. So, I begin to read the vision in Habakkuk 3, 3 through 5. This should be up for you to read. Now, I'm going to read you what it says in Hebrew. Now, I'm not going to read you Hebrew, but I'm going to read it in English. But this woke me up. Everybody say, wake up. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran, that's south, Israel. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of His praise. His brightness was like the light, and he had rays flashing from his hands. And here's this phrase. There was the hiding of his power. So the Lord's walking in to the nation. He's coming in from the south. And as he walks in, his hands are exploding with power. In fact, there's so much power, he's hiding it. You can't see it. All you can see is the Chaldeans coming. All you can see is COVID-19. All you can see is some expert telling you something different every day about what's going to happen. All you can see is confusion around you. And you have no idea that God is stepping onto the scene. And there is in His hands... Hidden power. Power that has not been manifest. Power that has not been received. Power that has not been released. Now we've seen some of it. I had a vision back in December and God is walking into America from the coastline. One I saw from the Pacific. And when I read you another verse, it's going to get real interesting. Two things are happening in California, the worst and the best. Fires are going on because the environmentalists blew up two dams that held the snow water and also because they didn't know how to manage the forest. Y'all got a lot of woods around here, but West Virginia hadn't burned up yet. Because somebody knows how to manage something. But I saw him stepping in with fire at his feet. We'll read that in a minute. I also saw him coming up from the south. And I began to understand why 33,000 were baptized in the ocean just a month ago in California. That didn't make CNN or Fox. And then I looked to the south and I remembered what happened at Brownsville. And I looked over here to this Atlantic coast and something was breaking out all over Virginia. Nick Walker was in the middle of it. And I realized in the middle of all the confusion 
and all the shutdowns and all the fear, especially of COVID, unless you're over 70, you've got about a half a percent chance of, of dying of COVID. If you're over 70 like me, you have maybe a 6% chance of dying. 8,000 people die in America every day of something. In fact, the death rates in America are lower than they were a year ago overall. Also, so that you'll be informed, more people have died of suicide, drug overdoses, depression, and fear than have died of COVID. And before you listen to somebody from New York, especially you that are over 70 like me, remember it's him that sent COVID into the rest homes where the old people were. And 25%, one-fourth of all the deaths in America happened in nursing homes in New York, not in the hills of West Virginia. Glory to God. The truth will set you free. That's the kind of world we're living in. We're going to thank God. Where's the Lord? Oh, Lord, please show up. He's here. He has stepped on shore. Now I want to show you a translation that shocked me and gave me a lot of hope. I'm so happy about it. I may just quit and run around the building. <laughs> Speaking of oxygen, if I started running around the building... Listen to this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, verses three through five. I'm gonna read them again, but I'm gonna read one more verse. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the earth, the earth full of His praise. His brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from His hand. There was the power hidden. He got the power. But watch this. Before Him went pestilence, and we read fire in most translations. But look at that translation. That's, that's what the Hebrew word means. And fever followed at his feet. He's stepping onto a, in, onto a land and there's a pestilence in that land in front of him where he's walking. Doesn't say he brought it. He said it's at his feet. See, it may be over your head, but it's under his feet. And fever was running in front of it. What's one of the first symptoms of COVID? Answer, fever. He said this was for later when Habakkuk wrote it. It's for an appointed time. We're here, we're in it. It's about America because America has been the nation that protected Israel, this nation he's talking to. And so here we are afraid, just like Habakkuk was. And instead of embracing God, we're embracing fear. We're embracing what we hear. I don't trust experts. But you, know why, you know what Jesus said about experts? The stone which the builders, the experts, rejected is the head of the corner. I call them spurts. If any of them knew how to heal this thing, why don't they do it? By the way, where are the Pentecostals? Where are we? Where are we charismatics? We believe in healing. Oh, yes, God will heal you. I would lay hands on you, but I'm afraid I'll get COVID. I'm just asking. We, we, we tell people that you pray and God will protect you. I know somebody that's died of COVID. I know a lot of people's died of heart attacks. I've had three near-death experiences myself. If the rapture doesn't come, I'm sorry to inform you, you're going to die. Can't tell you when. We're all going. And we're going some way. The suicide rate among young people. 
There'll be a hundred thousand young people dead by the end of this year of suicide from this stupid shut-in. From first grade to twelfth grade, if they get COVID, they've got a half a percent chance that it's going to be serious. But the governor, aren't these some smart guys? We had polio running them. How many can remember polio? And nobody, nobody shut the school down. They just showed up and gave us all a shot. Nobody signed any permission for them. We got the salt vaccine and it stopped polio in America. It, it didn't take them 20 years to get it either. Jonas Salk had that thing out in a matter of months. So I believe the president when he says we could have a vaccine. The problem in getting the vaccine is which one can make the most money and what can we shut down? Ah, don't get me started. Fear. The Bible says fear hath torment. 100,000 young people by the end of December. One of my dear daughter's best friends, granddaughter's best friends, just took her own life down in Tennessee. See, the, when you've heard that the, if the results of the plague are worse than the plague, we gotta face the plague. But what I'm showing you is God's about to move on this thing. He is stepping on shore and his feet are on top of the fever and on top of the disease. I just need some people that'll agree with me in prayer that the same God we believed ten years ago could heal can still heal today. Give him some praise and glory. Hallelujah. And so there we see, we've got to pray. We've got to change how we're praying. We need to pray and say, Lord, we know you're here. We know you're stepping on the land of our nation. We know that you're moving. We know, Lord, there are pockets of revival that, that, have, that are, have broken out. We know the enemy's fighting everything. We know, Lord, that... Uh, that this is going on, but we see you walking, we see you moving, we see you standing up. And let me tell you, the only body he's got on earth today is the church. I'm not telling you to throw caution to the wind. Uh, man, I've caught, I've caught stuff from folks before. It, I hadn't caught COVID, but I've caught stuff. Uh, you know, it's okay not to hug each other unless you know somebody. You know, now I hadn't figured out restaurants yet. You wear a mask in, and you ain't gonna get it. But as soon as you sit down and take it off, you're immune till we can get your money for the food. I can't, I don't get that. But anyway, that's just seventy-three-year-old man talking. So you, I'm sure you know smarter people than me. So you, they may have an answer for that. But anyway. We've got to pray with the faith that we have heard God, what he said, and we believe the visions of the prophets God has given. I have been gripped by Habakkuk. When I was up here in Virginia two weeks ago, preached the same thing because I can't get this pastor out of my system. I can't, every time I think about it, I get happy that all this mess going to God is going to walk into the middle of it. I don't know when, how, what. He's going to judge where he needs to judge, and he's going to redeem where he needs to redeem. See, when you begin to look at more of the vision, it says in Habakkuk 3, 6, he measured the earth and startled the nations, and everlasting mountains were scattered. His ways are everlasting. And you go down in verse 12 of Habakkuk 3, you trample the nations in anger. God's getting ready to do something. And we're in the middle of it. And I'm not so sure, part of it may be if this thing don't all fly right here in America, that some of us may leave through the rapture of the church. Many prophets I know believe we're at the beginning of sorrows right now. I don't know how this thing's going to land, but I do know he's going to take care of those that are his. Praise his name. And so he prays. In verse 13 and 15, you go forth for the salvation of your people 
for the salvation with your anointing. He says, Father, you're stepping in here to save people with your anointed. His anointed is the Messiah. The Messiah on earth lives in the church through the Holy Ghost. So he says, I'm going to step in, I'm going to anoint my church, and I'm going to do it to save people. And we're going to return to the task of missions and evangelism to which God hath called us to do. Our neighbors are not having a bad day. Our grandchildren are not off a little bit. They're on their way to hell without Christ. And God is more concerned about that than how I feel about COVID. We ought to be concerned if they get COVID and die, they're going to hell. The church has forgotten this commission. And I believe that His saving promise is an answer to this prayer. Lord, we, we see what you said, and Lord, it, it struck not a cringing fear, but a fear of failure. That we're not going to do the task He's called us to do. So we got to pray understanding the Word, but we also need to pray understanding His wrath. And I just got started about that, started on that before I got to the point. It says, in wrath remember mercy. Now God's getting ready to judge something. You mark well what I'm going to tell you. In Washington, D.C., and in the capitals of the world, some caskets are going to roll. I don't know who, what, or where. But I'm telling you, God's had enough. He's had enough of lying, stealing, and cheating. This guy told me, he said, I just can't stand the president. said, uh, all that twittering and how he talked, he uses bad language. And I said, I don't particularly like that either. But I said, you know what bothers me about you? That his language bothers you. But reaching into the womb of a woman and cutting up an unborn living baby and letting it bleed out on the table doesn't bother you. Give me a cussing president over a baby-killing feminist or man any day in my life. You read the, you read the book of Psalms, Proverbs. You read what God said about the innocent and innocent blood. This innocent blood. And, and we're going to give an account for it. And everyone that's participated in you can make whatever excuse you want to about it, but I'm telling you, it's the, it's the sin of the last 50 years in this nation. 65 million babies murdered. Makes Hitler look like kindergarten. And somehow we think it's alright. I know how to stop it. I mean, stop it. Let, let all major networks agree to just show a film of an abortion, of a third-term child. That'd be horrible. Wouldn't want that child. But let, let, if the people could see, that's how they, they do most things. They'll show the blood and guts of it, but you've never seen it. You've never seen a major network. It's a woman's right to choose. If it was a woman's right to choose, that baby would have your blood type. But the baby has the father's blood type. You, do you know that? A baby's blood, a woman's blood, they have an umbilical cord, ladies. The blood never mixes. Nutrients leave one, go to the other. The blood doesn't even mix. That's a separate life. We want the true science. Yeah, this is the true science. About, they want it, they want it about everything but babies. So here we are. God has a reason. To strike us with wrath. But the prophet says, remember mercy. Have mercy on us. Oh God. When America was born, it was born under what was called the Great Awakening, Pastor. The Great Awakening. The preacher named Jonathan Edwards. He was the founder, by the way, of Harvard University. Well, look where it's gone. He was very well educated. He could hardly see. He wore glasses that were thick at the bottom of old Coke bottles. 
And he read his sermons in a monotone like this. The Bible says blah, 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 like that. He stood up in Massachusetts and read a 40-page sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Before he finished that message, revival swept that church, swept all of New England, swept its way down the coastline till it hit Virginia and West Virginia. We ended up with a bunch of things like Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians coming up that, and out of them became Pentecostals. You are the great-great-grandchild of the Great Awakening. And it started when somebody believed in the wrath of God. I believe in His love. I believe Abba loves you more than you could possibly imagine. I believe He'll forgive everyone who's ever had an abortion or done an abortion. I do that. I believe when we get to heaven, there are going to be 65 million children that their parents never have met. we got to pray for people to be delivered from His wrath. Number three, and I'm just about through, pray that the unexpected can happen. He says in that verse, O Lord, I've heard your speech and was afraid. Revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known. What does that mean? The phrase in the midst of the years in Hebrew means this. Hallelujah, I feel God. Whew. In the midst. Yeah, I know it's right now, Lord. In the midst of the years means not at an appointed time. When you least expect. Make known means revelation. God says, in the middle of COVID, in the middle of election, in the middle of confusion, and we're going to have it, whoever's elected, in the midst of all this, reveal yourself. Show yourself mighty. Things could happen you don't expect. What if the president fell down and started speaking in tongues? It could happen. It's around him. Y'all need to know that it's around him all the time. What if Nancy Pelosi got up and her false teeth stayed in long enough and she was sober enough to tell us, to tell us she'd been wrong all these years. And as a Catholic, this abortion's wrong and she repented and she'd like to be forgiven. You know, revival that makes things like that happen. What if Barack Obama heeded the words of his Pentecostal aunt in Chicago and really got born again and got filled with the Holy Ghost? I can't even remember her name, who was on Fox News, one of the liberals, you know, that girl, blonde-headed girl. And... uh she started attending church on Long Island, a conservative church, Bible-believing church, with her boyfriend just to go with him. He broke up with her. She kept going. She got down and she said, Lord, if this stuff's real about Jesus, just please show me. The next day she was on assignment to go to Dallas, Texas for Fox. She got on the plane. An angel walked up and sat by her. She thought it was a passenger, but there was no passenger registered because she asked getting off. They said, no, we gave you two seats. Out of that supernatural experience and conversation, she fell out. She went out in the spirit. She got born again, but she's not on the news anymore. But God did. He's still doing these things. Angels are act more act than two, two, two for every demon. They're here to serve us. Supernatural world breaks through. God said in the middle of this mess, break through into this three-dimensional world we live in with your power and your glory. Hallelujah. And so when I read, hallelujah, when I read this, I just want to, I just want to embrace, that's what Habakkuk means, I just want to embrace these promises. And I want to see him come, his feet coming out of the Gulf of Mexico and out of the Atlantic and Pacific. 
walking here onto this world we live in, right into this nation, and seeing a huge awakening. I'm going to tell you this. We had it for 10 years at Abbott's house. And revival is a mess. You think this election's a mess? Because revival runs right into everything. His ways are not our ways. God told me a few months ago, back in the spring, said, well, you can't get people singing the choir no more. Choirs are gone. I said, well, Jesus said coming back then because David's tabernacle's got to be restored for him to come back and get head choir. So a guy named Kanye West gets saved and says, I want to have a choir and rents an arena. 17,000 people show up and he puts a choir together of 2,700 people. You ain't have choirs no more. Well, maybe not like we used to. I want you to know, his way's not our ways. I'm old enough to remember the last time we had a mess like this in the government, the Jesus movement broke out. Paul Walker's a friend of mine. Kids started showing up at, at Mount Perrin Church of God. Hippies and runaways, just hundreds of them. He invited them in, they'd come sit on the floor. And his church went from 800 to 12,000. Because they weren't afraid of the generation that was rising. See, we're kind of crazy, you know, some of us old people. Excuse me, I'm one of us. This old deacon walked up to one of our other deacons, Stanley Parsons, who's from over here, by the way. Walked up to him and said, that boy's got his hat, ball cap all did the church. Got it all backwards, too. Got it all did the church. And Brother Stan, being spirit-filled, looked at him and said, no, sir, you got it wrong. The hat's on the church. You get it? we got to take that attitude. And we've got to throw these doors open, blow the dust off some stuff, and tell these young people, come on. In 2017, I, I submitted my resignation because I, the Lord told me, I don't, you don't have the vision, I'm giving it to your son. I resigned and he took the helm of that church and I am so thankful he got to lead it through COVID. But he did. He did everything. That, and, and didn't know it was coming, but every, he had everything ready. I don't know if you've seen our online. It was the best out there. I mean, everything ready. And the church has come through so far uh, with every bill paid. We're not running the crowds we ran. You know, everybody's running about a fourth to a half at the most. But he believes that God has... He believes God's in the middle of this and he's shifting things for the church to get ready for the revival and awakening that's coming. He's 30-something years old. And somehow we've got to let these voices be heard. And I spend my, what I do besides preaching in churches like this once in a while, is I spend my life with young preachers. That's what I do. I told Nick the other night, and I'm not trying to contradict anybody, but uh, I said, take our advice, but don't let us ever, us old people ever quench your spirit. If we knew how to do it, we'd have done it before you got here, Nick. God break a revival, sweeps this whole country under a young man, and some old toot like me want to tell him how to run his ministry. It ain't going to happen. My day's done, except for I can help him with the Bible. And some of these young guys can use some help, amen? <laughs> but I can't tell him. God hadn't given me the vision. A lot of you, a lot of you like me, you're seniors. 
I read a little book written by an 83-year-old man called On the Brink of Everything. It's a Catholic guy. It changed my life. It changed, brought me joy. He said, I may be over the hill, but at least I made it to the top and to the other side. But he said, now, don't you, you're going to love this. Now, he said, my assignment is to shout back up to the younger generation, how can I help you? How can I resource you? I once was there, and I could see further than I can now, but I'm not there. You're there. How can I help you? And let me get out of the way. I can write a check. I can pray. And I can give my books. See, if you'll buy a bunch of them, I can give a bunch of them away free to young preachers. Because I don't take any money. Lord, I got off the subject there, didn't I? There's young people here. Don't you blame it on them. Get you, get, start doing something. Bring your friends. Believe God for something. We don't need a revival over at the high school gym that doesn't make it into the church. But they gotta open the door. What if you don't wanna, what if I don't like the music? Get you some earplugs. You have to, if you can't like me, you can't hear anyway. I, I don't wear, I got hearing aids, but I don't wear them. Pat your foot. Thank God your grandchildren and children are gonna have a church. And if this thing steps off the cliff, it's going to be tough on churches down the road, our nation. A lot more than you could ever believe. Not during the Trump, but during the last administration. Every person I know that was on TBN and like I was at all around the nation, every one of us were audited and treated like junk by the IRS. When I went on national TV, I'd been audited three times. And I wish I had enough money. I guarantee you, they audited me over $600 iPad. That I, I got it right here that I use for preaching study. I have three. This was exclusively for study. Well, we believe you could play a game on it too. So if we would like to have $160 in our in tax. I mean, three months they went through everything I had. Over an iPad and a mission trip. But Al Sharpton owes four million dollars. And nobody says a word. If you think elections don't make a difference, you don't know anybody in the ministry. They are coming for the church. They're going to look up here on this hill if the wrong crowd gets, they're going to say, my God, that property there on that mountain's worth $3 million. So we're going to put property tax on you now, Pastor. And next thing you know, the Muslims will buy it and there'll be a mosque here. Oh, it won't happen. A lady was driving off our parking lot five years ago. There were 12 Muslims on our parking lot bowed toward our building. She knew what they were, what they were doing, so she called the police. The county sheriff came out there and said, what are y'all doing? said, uh, we're praying for that building. By the way, they own just about all the Chuck E. Cheese franchises in America. They came out of the back of Chuck E. Cheese, walked on my parking lot, and said, we're praying to Allah for that building. Of course, our redneck sheriff looked at him and said, well, you need to get off the property because them people over there pray to Jesus. He must have been from West Virginia. We've got to pray that the unexpected can happen. That person you never thought was going to be saved gets saved. Rush Limbaugh gets healed of cancer when he announced this week he was terminal. I mean, we need some miracles, folks. Is anybody with me? I was a Baptist. I believed all this stuff had ceased. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost in 89, moved into the Pentecostal charismatic world, and I, I, I want, I believe everybody could be healed. I believe everybody could be saved. I believe everybody could have a miracle. I believe everybody had a chance for the supernatural. We've got to do 
it. That's what revival will be. That brings me to the end of the message. At the end of the message, if you love John 3.16, you'll love Habakkuk 3.16. When I heard, I, I, that was the vision. What, he, what I just read, he said, when I heard, my body trembled. He got the, we, we Pentecostals, no, you never had the holy shakes. Anybody here ever just got the shaking a little bit? My body trembled. My lips quivered. I get to thinking about speaking in tongues when I read that. Can't prove that though, so don't quote me. Rottenness entered my bones. You ever see anybody fall out? I'm not talking about a courtesy drop. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Oh, I went to Rodney Howard Brown's meeting, so I, he, he laid his head on, I, I felt like I had to fall, you know. No, let me tell you something. I have, my wife and I both have experienced this before our church knew about it, knew what it was. No catchers. We just went down. That's what he said. If rottenness enters your bones, you ain't standing up anymore and you ain't getting up till it's over. He said, when I heard the word of God, my prayer was answered. I saw this vision. I saw God stepping on the scene. He said, I began to shake all over. All of a sudden, I fell out. I trembled in myself. He said, that I might rest in the day of trouble, the great tribulation, the rapture. He said, all of a sudden, I saw these judgments are going to come. They're going to get worse. But there's a place of rest. There's a Sabbath for my soul with Jesus. Then verse 20, he started shaking. My mind runs to Hebrews 12, verse 25, that we don't have this on the screen. See that you refuse not him who speaketh. For if they escaped not who refused him that spoke on earth, how much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven? whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised. Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. Last week, 7.6 on the Richter scale, earthquake in Alaska. They predicted the tsunami. It never came, but it could have. I mean, folks, the earth is shaking. People are, people are, we ought to be shaking. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. God's going to shake down everything that can be shaken down. But the thing that won't be shaken down is the kingdom of God. Did you notice how Brother Nick preached with his hands in his pocket? My boy did that for a long time. Anybody notice that? No, you didn't. See, I noticed stuff. When Dick pulled his hand out, he did this. See, so stuck it in his, so you couldn't see the tremble. Same thing's true of Ronnie Phillips Jr. He had he had to put both hands in his pocket. He wasn't afraid, just a tremble. One of my best friends, the late Dr. Charles Sullivan, pastored in Lenore City, Tennessee. I noticed he had that tremor. Great preacher. He said, "I was going to be a surgeon." And I told Lord, I'm not Lord called me to preach. He said, I'm not going to preach. And he woke up the next morning when he told God what he wasn't going to do, and he had that tremble in his hand, and it never left through eighty years of life. I don't know about all that shaking and shouting. The Lord says in the Bible, Why did you not tremble in my presence? See, revival isn't something we do. It's God showing up. It's not even Him showing up. It's us recognizing that He's here. So from this moment on, at Voice of Praise, we're going to quit asking Him, as Nick said Friday night, to come and recognize He's already stepped on board. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory to the King who's here. The God who is there. The God who is present. The God who lives in me by the Holy Ghost.
He has stepped on board. He's not abandoned us. Up in Soddy Daisy, Tennessee, where I live, and out here, wherever this is, in Blue Hill. He knows, this is Blue Hill, isn't it? Blue Well, Blue Hill, Blue Ridge, I don't know where I am. Glory to God. Look what happens. After he, after Habakkuk sees this, there's a holy shaking. There's a holy singing. Look at verse 18 of Habakkuk 3. I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The word rejoice there means to whirl while you sing. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus. That's what it means, to whirl. And he says, I will joy. That means an uncontrollable shout in the God of my salvation. Elvis thought he'd do, remember Elvis all shook up? <laughs> Habakkuk really got all shook up. He got to shaking and he got to singing. And then he got strong. Listen to verse 19. The Lord God is my strength. He'll make my deer feet like the deer's feet. And those deer, goats, mountain goats they're talking about here, their feet tracked. Wherever the front foot hit, the back foot would hit there. And that way they, they could never fall. They couldn't stumble. And the back it says, Lord, I'm going to embrace your promise. I'm not going to, the only thing that's going to shake me anymore is you. Not what's going on, not the pestilence in the world, not the invasion of other nations. I'm going to be concerned. I'm going to vote. I'll do what I can. But I, 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 I'm going to only be shook by your word. Because I believe you're in charge. I'm going to live by faith and not fear. I'm going to pray for revival and not survival. I'm going to believe you for the generation to come. And he says, the Lord God made me strong and I can go higher without the risk of falling. And I can see further. Because there's a holy side. I'm going to tell you, when you get high enough in the mountain, you can see a lot further. I get a new perspective. And from being down low, he ends the book of Habakkuk saying, I'm walking on my high hills. From wanting to quit his church, from being mad at God for raising up another nation to judge him, from pouting up and standing there to get a vision, all of a sudden when he, when he hears a word, my God, he goes higher. And when he gets higher, he can see the long term out there. And I don't know what will happen next Tuesday week, but I can tell you this. When this whole world's over, we win. I'm on the winning side. You are too, if you know Jesus. We need revival. Oh, Lord, revive thy work. Revive it in the middle of this mess. And I don't know about you, but I'm in. I'm in if he's 15 years old raising it up, or if it's 95, I'm in. I'm in if it blows up in a Pentecostal, or if it blows up in a Baptist, or Presbyterian, or Church of God, I'm in. If some Catholic priest jerks off his collar and starts shouting, and revival breaks out, I'm, 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 I'm going. But wouldn't it be wonderful when all these ropes are down, and the masks are gone, and the doors are open again for folks to begin to pour into this high place. And there'll be a holy shaking and a holy singing and a holy strength and a holy sight. And folks will be saying, have you heard about West Virginia? What's going on here? My first contact with the IPHC, and I'm through with this, was from Brother Ken was over this when Maranatha. I came up here and I thought we were having an earthquake. Nobody else did. I, I was up at Dublin. I could feel a tremble rumbling under my feet. Didn't know what it was. And God spoke to me that night and he said, 
they're old wells of revival that I'm about to clean out. And those artesian wells of the Holy Ghost, that out of rivers of living water, out of the belly of it's going to blow out again, and it's going to happen in this region that we're in right here. Why wouldn't it this close to Washington, D.C.? If there's a swamp up there, i got a feeling about 200 artesian wells clean it out pretty quick. That's what I believe. I want you to stand head bowed and eyes closed, please. The musicians can come. Don't sing yet. Just play a little bit. Play quietly. If you're under the sound of my voice, or maybe you watch it online and you, you, you're not saved, not sure you're saved. When Jesus died, he died for you. If you'd been the only person on earth, he would have given his life for you. But being saved means you give your life to him. It's not just a prayer, but it includes a prayer. A prayer of commitment of your life to Jesus. It's not about being a church member, even though that follows. And I'm asking you right now, if Jesus were to come or you were to die, are you as sure for heaven as if you'd been there a thousand years? If not, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Just whisper it under your breath because he can hear it. The Bible says with the heart man believes. He can hear your whispered prayer. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. I believe you're alive and hearing me pray. Come into my life and save me. If you prayed that and meant it, Romans 10, 13 said, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord be saved. He heard your prayer. But he also said, Whoever believes on me will not be ashamed. That's why we're standing here at this altar this morning. If you prayed that prayer with me and are not ashamed, or maybe you prayed it off at one of the crusades with Brother Nick or somebody, but you never have followed up at your church with it. I'm going to ask you to slip out of your seat and come up here with me and pastor. I'll turn you over to the pastor and we'll follow through with you and make sure we get you baptized and help you grow. If you need to make that decision, I'm inviting you to come right now in the name of Jesus. If you're watching online, they'll tell you there how you can contact the church. Please contact them. They'll help you get started with what God's doing. If you're visiting here and need a church home, when, when people are afraid to come, what a wonderful time to tell Pastor and Sarah, we'd like to be a part of this church. They'll take care of all the details. But I want to speak to the rest of us. How many of you go here regular to church? Would you hold your hand up? Would you like to see that revival? Brother Nick led us in a prayer of repentance, but all of us wasn't here. I really believe that God is ready if we'll repent. You say, well, I'm not living in a lot of sin. I'm going to tell you at 73, there ain't much sin I can do. (laughs) But I can tell you this. There's a lot of things I ought to be doing I'm not doing. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I'm going to ask you to, let's make a commitment together. Pray. We can all do that, can't we? To invite and pray for others that are lost. To support the things that our churches are doing to help the community. And to give a witness that the Lord wants us to give to those around us. It might be as little as uh, picking up a Christian book or something and handing it to somebody and helping them. But you're going to be a witness in the days ahead. How many will put your hand up with mine and say, I'm, I'm in. I'm in for the revival. I'm in. Father, right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, oh, Lord, we repent. Lord, we repent for our failure to pray, for our fears and our doubts. 
But right now, Lord, we see something happening here at Voice of Praise. Something shifting here, Lord, and we can sense it in our spirit. God, we believe you're going to touch this community as you have for decades through this church. And we just praise you for what you're going to do. Forgive us for our silence while your precious babies have been slaughtered. We're going to pray. We're going to stand. Forgive us for our indifference. Help us, Lord, when we haven't paid tithes like we ought to, when we've fallen away what you want us to do, little simple things. Forgive us when we've been unwilling to embrace the new thing you may be doing with our young people and young adults. Oh, God, we repent. We call on you for healing and blessing. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. Give God a shout right now from where you are.